Hey, this is Juju. And this is Tamara. Welcome to Angry, Awkward, and Black. This is the world as we see it. Hey guys, it's Juju here. And I'm Tamara. All right, and uh, welcome to Angry, Awkward, and Black. All right, so today we're going to be speaking on generational wealth, support systems in Black families, and financial literacy. Um, I don't know about like majority of people, but I know that these are things that I worked hard about. Were you taught about it? Taught about these things? Yeah, taught. Like did anybody like sit you down and have a conversation about having assets and about debt and life insurance? Uh just like any what? of these things. What yeah. are you talking about? <laughs> you know, black people don't talk about those type of things. All right. You know? So like Break it down for break it down. Break it down, break it down. All right. So one thing about generational wealth, one thing that I've learned now, like other cultures, not just white people, but other cultures outside of the American black family, is that they have generational wealth. They buy land, they have cars, they have uh stocks and bonds and whatnot. And what they do is they teach it to their children. Um like I'm pretty sure I barely know seven people in my whole entire family that actually own their land i mean like at least they own their cars they're not good cars they're not gonna like go up in value right <laughs> but like uh yeah so i do know that like where your family's from they do own a bit of land we do but that was inherited it was inherited so that that's generational wealth it is generational wealth um so my grandparents um, gave my family this land. It was passed down to my mother and her siblings. And yes, we do have that land and we have a lot of other things as well. But as far as me and my present living this now, I don't know. I don't know what can I say about those type of things at this time just because. I mean, like, is there anything we passed on to you? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, because currently, right now, where that land stands, it's in my mother's name and all her siblings. So every single one of last of her siblings have a piece of that land out there. So it's like a little family thing, and we all have a piece of land out there. So well, that's dope. So most black folk I know don't have that right at all. All right, so uh, we did was we rent, we hustle, and we try to get by. Um. So assets. So for those of you who don't know what assets are, assets are things that uh, are of value that you own. So if it's not an asset, it's a liability. Liability is something's a hindrance. So debt, debt's a liability. Um. So most people, I'm I'm 32. So most people my age that I know, they have. They don't have very many assets. I have some very intelligent friends who have grown up very well, but they're all honestly Northern. Um, there's a big difference between North and the South, but they own houses, they're married, uh, own cars, things of that nature, but that's because they were taught these things. So my mother, I don't think my mother, my grandmother, we were $2,000 away from owning the house. My mom just let it go. And first off, I grew up in the house, so it hurt my heart, but my mom doesn't own anything whatsoever. And she never taught me about owning anything. And my grandmother didn't 
she wasn't she wasn't one to speak because you know the matriarch the yeah the matriarch of uh older black family they leave it to their husbands to tell I guess their sons and so she doesn't have any sons she only had daughters so we were supposed to be in the house cooking cleaning barefoot and pregnant versus figuring out how to manage money and to own things um well it's a super huge issue in the black community and like how society's going at the moment we're just kind of we are trying to 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 switch that we are and i can say it's um it's great to see all my beautiful queens you know getting our crystals <laughs> and we get in our our sage and we're doing our shadow work and you know we're doing our womb healing i love all of that you know so it's great to see that um uh, I don't feel like government officials are trying to, I don't feel like schools are, I feel like some of these things should be taught in schools. And I hear a lot of things, people saying that it should be taught, like that should be their parents' uh, responsibility to teach them these things. Do you, think it should, do you think it should be a school? Do you think it should be a class like to teach like financial literacy, um, how to budget, how to, shit, even how to like, uh, fucking balance a checkbook. I don't know anybody other than me and maybe two of my other friends that know how to write a check. True. Very true. I can say, yes, I've, I've, from the school that I grew, like I came from, I graduated from a technical school and my technical school did teach me all of those things. Um, do I feel like school should do more and teach the community more about those things in a certain manner and way? Yes. But then I also feel like it's to the parents too. They need to, you know, implement these things more into their lives and, you know, help their children grow up with these things and, you know, teach them the discipline. Yes, I I was in that school and I learned those things, but did I learn the discipline that goes along with those things? No. You know, so that's not that firsthand on experience that I was able to uh, assess to my life. So, uh, Well, what if our parents don't know? What? Like, what if our parents don't know? Like, my like, I don't like my mom knows how to balance checkbook. But I learned how to balance checkbook and should write checks for my grandma. I didn't get that from my immediate generation. So, like, you're younger than I am. So, like, I don't know. Your mom's like around the same age as my mom. So, but like, a lot of people who are about your age, like, their parents are younger and their parents don't know. So, like, which is, I'm just gonna jump ahead. It goes to like generational curses. So, like, if if your mom doesn't know to teach you and like in the poverty stricken areas where school funding is super low mm-hmm. because no one gives a shit about black kids mm-hmm. uh instead of it instead of them be like you know what let's stop this right here and let's teach these kids how to be financially literate and how to break the generational curses and how to manage money and things of that nur- na- nurture nature um why can't why can't we, we 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 you said something about taxes earlier all right so we pay taxes to fix rule the roads to uh make sure that schools are funded uh and all of that so like we need to know and learn what our taxes are going to and since our taxes are so like what our taxes are going to so why not the students learn what taxes are why we have them 
understand what they're doing. Why not teach our children how to budget from an early age, not just high school, elementary, kindergarten, kindergarten, preschool. (laughs) Okay. It is preschool. Let's teach them from like, like very, very early. This is what money is. This makes the world go round. And this is how you don't fuck it up. Credit, credit. I credit is absolute shit. If somebody stole my credit, I would be appreciative because maybe it would come back better. <laughs> but then again, it's just like, why do we even have to be ruled by credit? Why do we have to be ruled by credit? Because that's the world we live in. Like, the world that we want to live in, the world that we live in are two totally different things. So True, true indeed. And money is a tool. Money you know? is a tool. And right now it's being systematically used to keep the poor black person down the poor people poor and the rich people rich and so what we need to be doing in the state of the way things are is figuring out how to take this tool and utilize it to our benefit we don't need to live in a white man's world we need to live in our world practicality practicality all right um generational debt that's that's something that i that i i read this is a this is a term that i recently came across so apparently you don't just inherit uh, assets, you inherit liabilities when people die. I was unaware. Highly unaware. Ain't that some shit? That is some shit. Alright, uh, so like the debts, like say say I had a child. I have no children. And like, I wonder where generational debt goes, where your debt goes when, when you die and you don't have anybody to pass it on to. But like, so if my mom died and she owed somebody seven thousand dollars now i owe someone seven thousand dollars which is where life insurance comes in which i don't know many people who have life insurance i like i don't have life insurance at the moment working on but um nobody tells anybody this so like debt just gets passed down generation 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 so like you're just like oh well you know what so-and-so dies well their debt didn't die with them they still want their money they always gonna want their money whoever they are um, another thing is like oppression. So, uh, Childish Gambino is one of my favorite rappers, and he has this uh, this line in one of his songs. And it says, "Well spoken token." I was the well spoken token. Um. So, what pretty much happened was I ended up hanging out with a bunch of white kids because. The black kids called me white and they didn't really want to hang out with me because I listened to different music and I did different things. And then as I got older, I realized that the white kids I, I hung out with, there was like a lot of subtle racism, like little black jokes uh, here and there that I giggled at because I just want to be a part of something. I don't know. Did you have, did you have, did, I don't know. How, like, what did you, how was school and shit and growing up where you grew up like? What was it? I was just a kid that like, I was the girl that never fit in. It's just like trying to be the girl that fit in. But then your light is so bright. It's just, it, it overshines everyone anyway. It don't matter how <laughs> far you're trying to play that shit. So it's just like trying to find my way, like Make trying to fit, you know, like trying to fit in, but really don't fit in, you know, so. Were you walking fastest? Face, face is passing? And you're homebound? do 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 <laughs> I guess I don't know, but yeah. Uh, who did know. you hang out with you when you grew up? Because I grew up, I hung out, I hung out with like the weird goth white kids. I don't know. It's just always 
I was in the slow classes. Were you? With the slow people. Oh, man. I... <laughs> is that funny? Not... Why is that funny? Listen, you laugh See, first, though. She's laughing at me, guys. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I was laughing with you because you started giggling. I thought I, I thought we was I thought we was giggling. I didn't know that. <laughs> but I still ended up going to one of the top high schools in North Carolina. I don't give a fuck about what you say. Well, you know what? All right, so I grew up in South Carolina. You grew up in North Carolina, right? Yep. All right, South Carolina. Once you label stupid, you're stupid for the rest of your fucking life. So I'm dyslexic, as you know. Me too. Yeah. So we're both dyslexic. So what happened was uh, they put me in resource in like second grade. And the funny thing is, since I'm just like the lady stupid, pretty much, so you can't read well. I wrote, I wrote, I read extraordinarily well, and I actually ended up in like the top 10 percentile for accelerated reader. Uh, some of y'all ain't old enough to know what accelerated reader is, but it's a, it's a, you read books, you take tests, and uh, you get points according to how high you score. So pretty much, I was eating books. They were lunch, like they were snacks, they were dinner. I was killing the game, <laughs> but they labeled me stupid. I moved to Charlotte in seventh grade and I was still in resource. And um, they gave me a test. They didn't tell me what this test was for. They're just like, here's this test. I was like, boom, I bet. I just took the test. All right. And then I went to class one day. She was like, you're no longer in this class. You test it out because she understood. She saw that regardless of the fact that I wrote my, my B's and my D's backwards, I was not stupid. Fast forward, I go back to South Carolina when I was in like when I was a freshman in high school. I was a sophomore uh, in high school, and it put me in remedial classes because I had that label stuck on me. Some bullshit. That's so, some bullshit. That is some bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. So even though they probably put you in quote unquote the slow classes because you were dyslexic, right? Or were you or were you the quiet kid? You look like you were the quiet kid. Did you just stab people? Did you bite people? <laughs> <laughs> were you a biter? <laughs> no, we were just bad. We were just bad kids. Just bad. We were just bad, terrible kids. You weren't bad, terrible kids. That's what they want you to think. They want you to be like you're bad, terrible kids. You probably behavior issues stem from something else. But nobody wants to take the time out to figure out why this well, poor we was black all kid. Bad. We yep. was all terrible. We was the bully our teacher and all. Oh my lord. <laughs> Lord, I remember mercy. one time my cousin, she put glue in my teacher chair. Super glue. Was you any cousins in the same class? We were. No. <laughs> it was a family thing. It was a family affair. We, oh God. We were just terrorists. Little terrorists on the move. Oh my God. The gingerance on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's it. That's, that's another form of oppression. So instead of them just like taking time out and figure out why, why is it that this whole entire family so pretty much they just put the whole family in one class and it was just like, y'all niggas bad. I guess so. What <laughs> you want to think of it, you know, like. That was in like sixth grade though. I went in the slow class until I was in eighth grade. So. So what, uh, your, your, y'all's like bad behavior just carry on from sixth grade and then seventh grade. And they were just like, you know what, There's something wrong with them. And they stopped, they threw it all on in there on in like eighth grade. I guess, yeah, you can say that, you know, that's your perspective, yeah. That's right. Did, did anybody ever sit down, sit y'all down and be like, hey, what's going on? No, why would they do that? Well, because if you guys are all in the same family, you're all exhibiting the same behavior, like, there has to be a reason. 
Well, that's just not the way it works here in America. You know what? <laughs> the truth that you speak. <laughs> the truth will set you free. Okay. All right. But, uh, so, like, my mom was a fierce woman. So, one thing she did do whenever she was around was support. She supported the fuck out of me. She made sure if something she felt was done wrong at school, she went to school, she found out and what it is, and she fought it. So one thing about that is that's not something that is really prevalent in black family support systems. Definitely not. That goes from financial. A friend, I was talking to someone the other day, and they were just like, apparently there's a percentage of people in America, and it's mostly in white families, that you that they have someone that can loan them five thousand dollars. Nigga, I ain't got nobody that can loan me five hundred. Hell, I ain't got nobody who can loan me fifty dollars okay. right now. So Say like, that again. <laughs> so like, uh, she was telling me a story of how like there's this dude. He was a white guy or whatnot. He was on crack real bad. He was in his crack house and he was with the. He had hurt his leg real bad. And he was he was found. His family found him in a house with two black. Um, I'm gonna say sex workers because that's politically correct. Uh, two black sex workers who were ladies and they were taking care of him. This man couldn't feed himself or anything. So black women are the mule of America. So they just hop on like they, they just work us to fucking death and then send us to the glue factory. But uh, they were taking care of him. They kept him alive. And his family picked him up off the street, put him in rehab, gave him an apartment, found him a job. Now this nigga is like um, what, a, a golf coach in the PGA. Look at him living his best life. But look at the support he had to live his best life. You got a crackhead uncle? I sure do. Plenty of them. Plenty of them. Black folks always got a crackhead uncle. And his name is Craig. It's either Craig or maybe Tommy or it might be Jared. Like, those are, those are the crackhead uncle names. All right. So what we can't do is, is like be like, all right, come on, Craig. I'm going to put you in rehab. And I'm going to pay for this apartment for you for six months. Go get a job. Go do something. We don't do that. Our crackhead uncles die in the street. They die in the crack house. And the crack hose probably comes to the funeral. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that was Craig, old lady. <laughs> they was doing crack together. Because yeah. anybody want to do crack by themselves. So we don't have that support system in black families. And, like, because we don't have the wealth. Which, it, it all runs full circle. We don't have any assets. We don't have any wealth. We're not taught financial literacy. Therefore, Uncle Craig's going to die in that crack house because we don't have any of this knowledge and nobody wants to give it to us. They tell you to go to college, get an education. Oh, we can't afford to go to college, so therefore we're in debt. Boom. We have to be willing and open to go there and research that information. It just doesn't come to us. It's and, not handed to us. But it's handed to white people is what I'm saying. Yeah, because they have all the extra. They have it's a they privilege. They have the groupings. They do. They have, they have the, the KKK. And they, <laughs> they have the Illuminati's. <laughs> all right. Well, yes, that that part aside, but it's taught to them from childhood. Like, oh, my father went to Harvard. It's a legacy. We don't have legacies. Our legacy is drug dealers, heroin, crack addicts, gold chains, big tires. And fucking Chevy. But that's what they want us to think. In real life, we're kings and we're queens. No, in real life, that's what we're doing. In real life, that's what we're doing. That's what we're glorifying. And that's what we're perpetuating. 
That's exactly what it is. So at this time, but the veil time, is being lifted. The veil. We have to lift the veil. What are we doing to lift the veil? What are we publicly doing to lift the veil? Like we have some people who we have we have the the the, the Zendayas and the Jaden. I love Jaden Smith, uh, Willow Smith. We have the whole Smith family. Um, we have people like them who are trying to, but they're still the weird, awkward black kid. And like we still have the rappers who are glorifying bitches, hoes, monies, guns, and drugs. Um, That's been going on for years. That exactly is generation. It, it's 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 continuing. It's a continuation of really shitty shit. But it's a cycle that we have to end. We have. To, that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a generational curse. It's a cycle. We have to break the cycle. So, like, my question is how. And if anybody listening wants to weigh in on um, on these topics, uh, you can always hit us in the inbox. At, at the moment, the Instagram is going to be uh, at the real juju eighty eight. Hop into my DM. Let me know what your thought process. How we can so we can speak about it later on. Um, another thing is other cultures, what they do is they let their kids stay until they can buy their first house and they're married. Like they all live in the same house at 18. Get out. You 18. You grown. I need you to pay rent. I need you to do this. Da, da, da. That's a whole fact. That's a whole fact. I need you. Oh, you got a job at 16. If you need to help with these bills, it's like, it's, it's like, it's like, damn, you're going to give me no time to get myself together. You just going to. Throw me out here to the wolves like this? Uh, we get thrown to the wolves and then we get stuck in the same rut. Just surviving. We don't live. Nope. We just survive. It's like, we just Survival steady. of the finest. <sighs> Let the odds forever be in your favor. Let the odds be in your favor? Yeah, it's, you know what? It really, it, man, shit, we're in Dixie. What is it? Dixie 13? I'm going to call you Katniss. <laughs> Katniss who? Everdeen. Alright, but like, like legit, we get thrown to the wolves, but that's because their parents did it to them, and somebody else's parents did it to them, and it just keeps we keep doing the same thing. It's a generational curse. It just keeps going on. So, and then once one person breaks the cycle, you're not honoring your family. You're not honoring this. When once someone learns to say no, or once someone learns to get up, oh, now they're up in that. It, like 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 we can't we can't once we get a leg up in life, it's never like good job. You know what? Hey, how about you teach the kids? Blah blah blah. It's just right. like, oh, now you bougie. Oh, you moved mm-hmm. out the hood, so now you da da da. Now you this. Now, now you, you that. that. Yeah. You know? It's not. It's never. It's like. It's like. She oh. ain't real no more. She didn't change. She didn't got that money. Yeah, but nah, nah I worked for it, and That's I tried to tell. And I tried to tell you about it, <laughs> and I tried to tell you about it, and I tried to put you on this job, but you can't hold down the job. Damn, no, and then when and then when I say, hey, this is how you hold down a job. Oh, why you want to tell me what to do instead of instead of being open and receptive mm. to whatever information or knowledge here i've never been like oh i had to work this hard so i expect for you to struggle to get to where i am i'm like oh shit i found out all this stuff right i struggled and now i want to ease your pain by letting you know how not to struggle that's it here's this information but then it's it's, it's construed as you oh you tell me what to do oh you think you this and you think you that no nah, bro I just don't want you to feel like I did I want you to I want you to get where you going and I want you to get there in a much quicker pace and have to deal with a whole lot less obstacles than I did um so w- with 
all of that, like, once you get to a great place, like, you have this money, financial literacy, how to keep this money. So what people think financial literacy is, is like holding on to money, blah, blah, blah. Um, there's a fast money, there's a slow money. Fast money selling drugs, selling cars. I'm trying to get rich quick on this podcast. I want to be a YouTube star. I want to do this. I want to do that. And not having any sustenance. Slow money, slow money is the, like, the slow money is stuff that you have to like think about. So slow money is just like stocks, bonds, working really hard up in a, in a company to get someplace, starting up your own business and still working for someone else. Everybody wants to start a business and boom, get rich. And that's not how it works. Like, you have to know, like, profits and laws. You need to know if you're going to start a business and you plan to have people working for you. That's what everybody wants to do. I want somebody to work for me. Listen, you got to think about labor. You got to do all of that. It's mm. all a whole entire thought. So, like, a couple of things that I've read from millionaires is, like, how they got there is they had six, seven forms of income. Not six jobs. Six forms of income. I don't know anything about the stock market. I want to learn how to day trade. You're, the, you're learning how to day trade. I'm getting there. You're getting there. I am. Oh, all right. I'm so, excited. I, I'm excited for you because I want to learn. I need you to teach me when you figure it out. Big money. Big money. And I like it. Hey, all right. <laughs> um, but, like, stock markets, if you have your own business, understand that you do need to have a job because, like, shit, COVID. COVID. So, you... You don't have anything to fall back on. You don't have any finances. You don't have any funding. And then it's also like passive and aggressive income. Aggressive income is like what you have to work for. Passive income, you have to work to make it passive. It just doesn't immediately become passive. Right. And people <laughs> constantly think, oh, I'm going to do this. And then money's just going to come in. Nah, you still got to work for that money, bro. That's it. But nobody teaches us this shit. Everybody's like, oh, I saw so-and-so do it. They made it look easy because they put it in the media so they make it look easy. So you can buy into somebody else's product. Give them more views. More subscribers. Yep, and get them more money. Versus you just, you understand that you have to work to get to where they are. Because they probably have to work really hard. That's it. Um... We're really bad at savings. I'm terrible at savings. I'm terrible too. Oh man, look at us—a terrible twosome. Uh, <laughs> saving money is really hard, but what I've learned is to save ten percent of your income. That's hard. That's hard. But like, what I did was I have a I have a, this thing called SoFi. So it's a different account from my bank account, and what it does is it gives you like I think it's like one percent interest rate. We don't get taught about interest rate, and. The, so if I just leave that there, um, if I just leave it there, it'll just accumulate uh, money. So I just fact checked. It's actually 25%, well, 0.25% of whatever I deposit into that account. Uh, as long as I deposit $500 a month. So, saving $500 a month should not be hard. Um, anything under that is 0.1%, uh, which is still higher than most banks. So, if I put $1,000, so if I put $500 in there a month, then they would, it would accumulate $125. So, technically, instead of me saving $500 a month, I'm saving $625 a month. Um, and that's pretty, that's pretty dope. Um, that is not an ad for SoFi. That is just me appreciating that app. It also has a whole bunch of stuff about stock markets, which I'm learning about day trading on. 
Um, so we have tools that we can utilize and that if you have children, I feel like you should teach your children. You, if they can stare at a screen and watch YouTube videos, that's it. Then they should be able to learn how money works. Right. Um, so just to recap, um, what we, we as a community need to teach the next generation about having assets. Um, we need to dig into life insurance to try to get rid of generational debt, debt, uh, Stop telling the kid that likes different music and that's artistic and I like to read and that speaks well. They're fucking white. It is detrimental to our psyche and it pushes them away from wanting to do everything that is black, quote unquote, which should not directly correlate to speaking abonics, selling drugs in big cars because it's fucked up and it's just not nice. <laughs> um... We definitely should do something about our support systems for our drug addicted cousins and nephews and uncles. Let's support the fuck out of them. Let's figure out how we can get them off the streets. And if they just don't want to stop doing drugs, we can't tell them to stop doing drugs. But uh, we should we 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 shouldn't ostracize them or be like, oh, he's a crackhead. He's just gonna be a crackhead. Um, I feel like pushing kids out of eighteen. That's sad. It's not great. We shouldn't do that. <clears throat> Let's break these generational curses, y'all. Financial literacy should be something that is most definitely spoken about more often. We'll stop glorifying drug dealers and selling drugs and having fast money and figure out how to make regular money and be able to pass it down to our children. We have to save, 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 save. Because otherwise, we're always going to be on the bottom rung. And uh, let's get out here and own and support black business. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. We have to support them, but they need etiquette. I love I love going to a black-owned business. But let me tell you, y'all can be rude as a motherfucker. And let me tell you <laughs> something here. I've been cousin sir all my life. Y'all motherfuckers need some etiquette. All right, just to piggyback on that quick story. All right, so I worked at, I, I quit. So me and T met at a conglomerate in which we both worked for. I got sick of working for white people, so I decided I was going to work for a black-owned company. I went to a restaurant. It's a fantastic restaurant. I will not name, name said restaurant. I will never slander them. They're amazing. The food's amazing. The chef is amazing. Um, but... At the end of the day, it was terrible management. And whenever, because I came from management, whenever I spoke on the management, I was pretty much told to know your place and stay in your lane. Mind you, they have a high turnover rate. I mean, it's a high turnover industry. But uh, it was to the point where a quote unquote manager uh, was very disrespectful. Um, he actually told me he, 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 he did that. Y'all know that Prince Harry finger point where he's like, you know, he married a black woman picture. Yeah. So he did that in my face, told me, don't you talk to me like that. And I looked at him and I put my apron down and I walked out the door <laughs> because it was disrespectful. So I thought that coming from being the only female black manager and having to deal with the shit that I had to deal with, which you, you saw, you saw most of the shit I had to deal with. 
I had a white man complete totally just bless me out in front of, front of my staff. And she was part of my staff. And she heard it. She Excuse saw me, it. Ma'am. Excuse you. She heard it. She saw it. She recognized it. She came and she talked to me about it later. Because she saw it. So I felt like going to a black-owned restaurant would be treated better. And I wasn't. So we also do need to understand that when we are in a position of power, instead of us trying to belittle someone else, we should uplift everybody. That's true. True indeed. All right. Well, um, as you guys know, I'm using Anchor. It's a great app. Um, I'm going to speak a little bit, a bit about it after this is all over, if you guys want to stay and listen. Um, I appreciate you guys listening. Stay awkward. Stay weird. Stay angry. And stay black, y'all. Peace, y'all.